Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. It is good to see all of you. Thank you for braving the rain. It is crazy outside today. It's like a, a sheet of rain that you can't even see through it. But we're here, and it's going to be a great day. If, in case you're new to Encounter or you've never experienced this series, this is something we do every September. It's called God in the Movies. This is a special series that we do once a year where we take clips from some of the most popular movies of the past year, and then we explore those clips and ask God, what might God say to us through these movies? And that might seem a little different for you if you've never been to a church that does this. But you got to understand something about me as your pastor. Um, I love movies. I love science fiction. I love uh, entertainment. I love to read. Um, and so for me, it helps me to understand things more when I can put them into analogies. But here's the other thing, and I'll talk more about this later on in, in, our, in our sermon. But I believe that the Bible teaches that all truth that we see anywhere is from God. The Bible teaches that all truth that you see anywhere, God is the source of it. So why isn't it that God might be able to speak to us? Don't you think that God could speak to us through a movie or through maybe while we're driving to work and we see a billboard or perhaps a song on the radio, right? These things, types of things, that's the heart of behind this series is that the filmmakers may not have ever intended for them to be used by God to encourage or to speak to someone, but that's who God is, is that God speaks to people in spaces that you might never even consider before. So we're going to begin that today with Star Wars The Last Jedi. Next week, um, my wife Heather is going to be teaching on Wonder Woman, and then Black Panther is coming up after that, and then in our uh, family service that we do once every quarter, uh, Coco will be the subject of that. But before we begin, we do something real special. Take your sodas out, everybody. Thank you for listening, and for those veterans in here, you all know what you're doing. This is something we do together, and it's just fun. We're going to open this together. So on the count of three, we're going to open up our sodas together and watch this awesome sound. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, yeah. Roll that beautiful bean footage. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. Something inside me has always been there. But now it's awake. I've seen this raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. Let the past die. Kill it. 
place in all this. All right. Okay, so Star Wars, The Last Jedi is the eighth installment in the Star Wars saga. A lot of people have seen Star Wars. Um, this particular movie, though, was actually rather controversial, and not because of any particularly uh, moral or political reasons, but really because of some of the choices that the filmmakers made in making this film. There were a lot of choices that felt like uh, different than typical Star Wars um, movies, and many fans did not enjoy a lot of the story elements uh, that were in it or the overall themes. Now, whatever your opinion is about this movie and its place in the Star Wars universe, there is this underwriting current or theme, central theme that runs throughout that really resonates within each of us, and that is failure. Failure. The movie Star Wars The Last Jedi is really, if nothing else, a movie about failure. It's a movie about failure of leadership, about failure of individuals, failures of morals, failures in actions, failure in thoughts, and so many more more, uh, failures that we could go through. And this film chooses to expose those failures. It kind of lays them bare, and it's actually rather uncomfortable. The whole movie is about those failures, and it feels like there is no hope. And it asks questions like, what does it mean to fail? What are the effects of failure? What are its consequences? And maybe most importantly, what do we do about it? What do we do when failure takes root? What happens when we fail? And while Star Wars is a fantasy movie, and it doesn't exist except within our minds or in our hearts. The concept of failure is something that all of us, I think, understand, something that we've experienced. Every one of us have failed, whether it's as a child or even recently as an adult. And oftentimes, failure leaves us feeling broken. Some of us, we've had difficulty. I would say all of us have struggled moving beyond failure in our lives. The concept of failure is something that we're afraid of, and we need to learn how to deal with it in the right way. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to view clips from The Last Jedi that show different elements of failure in different moments. And then we're going to read a few passages of Scripture with stories that correspond to what we see on the screen. And each one of them, we're going to see the effects of failure, and then we're going to examine what Jesus' response is. And it's beautiful. This is why I love the Bible, is that it examines real spaces in life. And so today we're going to see a great crossover between our modern culture and popular, uh, popular culture and popular life and see how God's Word Uh, speaks to us. And so from there, I believe that we're going to see how we can learn from failure to ultimately become the people that God has created each of us to be. So in our first clip, we're going to see Luke Skywalker talking to Rey. In the last movie, The Force Awakens, we saw that Rey realized that she has the Force living within her, and she's looking for a teacher. So she's found Luke on a remote island. And Luke is not what she expected, so she's begging Luke to train her. Ray is saying, please train me, and Luke is in a very different place. He is now feeling the effects of failure in his life, and not only from his, but he looks back over the entire Jedi Order and sees their failure. If you've ever seen the movie Star Wars or any of them, particularly in the earlier sagas, the prequels, that much much maligned prequels of the movies, you actually get an insight into what the Jedi Order was like, and Luke has seen the rise and the fall of the Jedi Order, and he has now seen his own failures, which we'll talk about in a minute. And so he is adamant that he will not train Ray. He is adamant that the Jedi need to be done, that all of it needs to be over. And we're going to see in a minute why. Let's take a look at this clip right now. 
Now that they're extinct, the Jedi are romanticized, deified. But if you strip away the myth and look at their deeds, <laughs> the legacy of the Jedi is failure. Hypocrisy, hubris. That's not true. At the height of their powers, they allowed Darth Sidious to rise, create the Empire, and wipe them out. It was a Jedi Master who was responsible for the training and creation of Darth Vader. And a Jedi who saved him. Yes, the most hated man in the galaxy. But you saw there was conflict inside him. So what we see here now that they're extinct, is the kind of failure that happens on an institutional level. But one that I think all of us are susceptible to, and what is that? That's a failure of missing the point. A failure of, of, of complacency. A failure of forgetting the point. If you look around in our world, and we see this everywhere. We see this in broken political systems. We see this in, in corrupt politicians. We see it in fraudulent financial institutions. We see it even within the church with hypocritical religious leaders and denominational divisions. Things that were put in place to be helpful for society. Things that were put in place to be, to be for forces for good. But over time, that institution becomes in, in, in uh, serving of itself and forgetting why it exists and corruption and power can take place. We see that everywhere. We see it in our own nation. And some people in our own city, a lot of people in our own city, maybe you today are struggling with this with the church. Perhaps you struggle with the idea of the church. You've seen pastors or churches seem to forget the centrality of the gospel and being transformed by Jesus Christ. And instead, we've seen people be hurt after going to church. We see a lot of people in our city who are angry. My wife and I were actually out at a restaurant a couple of weeks ago, and we were sitting there, and we overheard a conversation behind us. Someone sitting there, not in, in our conversation, it's hard to, hard to not eavesdrop at times, especially as a pastor when people are talking about faith. And someone had apparently come up to this individual and handed him a, like a brochure or a track for their church. And the frustration and the anger in this man that he was expressing hurt my heart. He said, how dare he think I want to have anything to do with what he's offering to me? And I thought to myself, that's no different than a restaurant handing out a coupon, right? But the difference is, is that for him, the church, the institution of Jesus Christ has failed him. For one reason or another, he has seen something that has broken his heart and broken his spirit. And so we see that everywhere. And this is what Luke is dealing with. The thing that he gave his entire life to has failed, and the world around him is broken. You know, Jesus faced the same thing in his time with the Pharisees. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 23. If you have your Bibles, pull them out and open it to the Gospel of Matthew. It's the very first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 23 Jesus is talking to a group of religious leaders, much like the Jedi who have forgotten their way. And listen to what he says to them. Verse 1 through 7. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. You know, the scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses, like they're in a high place, he says. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry, and they put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries, which are these, uh, these, these devices that you put on your head that have scriptures written around them. It was a traditional Jewish um, device that, that was designed to keep scriptures on your, on your forehead at all times, right? So they were making big ones. It's like going to the store and, and buying a really big fashionable one to draw attention. He's saying they make them big on there. They lengthen their tassels. They love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplace, marketplaces, and to be called rabbis. 
by people. What Jesus is saying here, just like Luke Skywalker is saying, they love to be called rabbi. They love to be called Jedi. The idea is that they forgot that they're supposed to be guardians. They're supposed to be bringing a message. They're supposed to protect. They're supposed to be a force for good. Instead, they like to sit in their high council temple. And they've forgotten. In fact, Jesus is yelling and angry at them, not because of who they are, sorry, not because of who they are, but because they have forgotten and because they're actually making it difficult for people. They're making it hard for people to know who God is. They're spitting out so many rules and they're they're giving people a picture of who God is that is inaccurate. Listen to what he says in verse 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. These are harsh words from Jesus. Anybody who says Jesus was all love, man, let me, I mean, right here, right? Like he's laying the hammer right here. He's dropping it right now on people, telling them there's a problem. You shut the door of, the, of heaven in people's faces for you don't go in. And you don't allow those entering to go in. This is important for us. Listen, hear me as Christians. The way that we act, the way that we treat people, the way that we reflect Jesus Christ either brings people to Jesus or closes them off to him. I'm not saying that we are solely responsible, but our actions matter, especially in people, places of authority or of influence like myself. I am keenly aware that my lifestyle as a pastor is important for people to see Jesus appropriately. And the same is true of us as we walk around our lives. And this is what Luke was having a problem with in our clip, as he's looking to Ray, who is saying to him, I need someone to help me, to teach me. And he says, I'm not that man because everything that I've known has failed. Let's go on, continue in verse 23. Jesus lays a few specific pieces out. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay a tenth of of mint and dill and cumin. He's like, you tithe out of your, you're so careful to tithe out of your little herb gardens, he says. And yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat but gulp down a camel. In other words, he's saying you have missed the point. You can't see the forest for the trees. It's all about rules for you. Everything is about rules instead of life. Verse 25, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup. You make yourself look pretty, he's saying, but the inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of it may also be clean. Wow, look at the words of Jesus here talking about. See the point, get back to why you exist. Verse 27, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, like a pretty tombstone, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. This is a scathing report of the religious leaders at the time. And I wonder sometimes if Jesus would look at us as Christians or at Christianity as a whole, particularly in the West, and say how many of us are similar to them. How many of us are, have forgotten the point of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? We make it more about the things we do and don't do rather than knowing him, rather than bringing people to Jesus. Rather than, you know, allowing the gospel to transform us, how many of us hold people at length? How many of us close the door of the gospel to people because we discriminate or we hold, you know, people out there at the doors? We don't give what we have. I don't know, whatever it might be. This is a hard, challenging word, and this is why, why Luke was so frustrated as he saw the thing that he beloved was a failure He's talking about hypocrisy, missing the point, and we call that in the church legalism. When it becomes more about the rules than it does be about the heart. 
It becomes more about the, the rules than the heart. That's called legalism. And I believe that Jesus is warning his people at the time, and it's speaking to us, a warning to us, to the church, is to don't get caught missing the point. Don't get caught missing the point. The world is looking for authenticity. The world is looking for something that matters, something good to bring life. Bring life. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be the light of the world. As Christians, let's not be a part of an institution that fails. Instead, we're called to be, to be light givers, to be people who bring life to the world. And as the church, the little C, like encounter church, and the big C, the church of Jesus Christ all over the world, let's focus on what matters most and allow Jesus to transform us and our way of thinking. So now let's take a look at the effects of failure on a personal level. How it can debilitate us, how it can cause us to fear, how it causes us to doubt ourselves, to become gun-shy, to become jaded or even reluctant to try again. In our next clip, we're going to see the continuation of that conversation that Luke is having with Ray. And he reveals the real reason he feels so strongly about not training her. Let's take a look. For many years there was balance. For many years there was balance. And then I saw Ben, my nephew, with that mighty Skywalker blood. And in my hubris, I thought I could train him. I could pass on my strengths. Hans, Han about it, but Leia, trusted me with her son. I took him and a dozen students and began a training temple. By the time I realized I was no match for the darkness rising in him, it was too late. What happened? I went to confront him. And he turned on me. must have thought I was dead. When I came to, the temple was burning. He had vanished with a handful of my students and slaughtered the rest. Leia blamed Snoke, but it was me. I failed. Because I was Luke Skywalker. Jedi Master. Luke feels the weight of his personal failure. It's crushed him. He has realized the, the errors of his ways and the effects of it and the consequence in his life, and it's caused him to run away from everyone and everything that he knows. And even though it happened years ago, this was years ago what he was talking about, Luke is still held back out of guilt. He's held out of shame and fear. And his inability to work through it has stopped progress in his life. And I think this is what happens to us in failure all the time. We look back over our lives, maybe recently for some of us, and we see the things that we've done wrong. Maybe the repeated failures, the mistakes that we make, the things that we just can't seem to get past. And it holds us back 
Maybe God wants to do something in your life. Maybe you have a dream in your heart. Perhaps there is something in your life that you feel like there is something more for you or out there, but you just don't feel like you're worthy anymore. You don't feel like you're the person any longer. Maybe you look at yourself and you feel ashamed or embarrassed or, or you doubt yourself. Or you feel guilty for your failures. And the Bible deals with this very subject and illustrates the struggle with failure. In Matthew chapter 26, when Peter, who was a close friend, one of the best friends of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus, refuses to admit that he even knows Jesus just after Jesus was arrested and about to be crucified. Let's look at this very real moment together. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69. Jesus had just been arrested, and he's being taken to the, to the, the high priest's home and in the courtyard where he's being tried for, for essentially blasphemy and ultimately will be led to his crucifixion. They're on a witch hunt here. Matthew 26, verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl approached him and said, Hey, you were with Jesus the Galilean too, but he denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. When he had gone out of the gateway, another woman saw him and told those who were there, this man was with Jesus in Nazarene because all of the disciples had fleed because they don't want to be arrested as well, right? In a moment of fear, after three years of spending every day with Jesus, he's being arrested. He knew what was coming, and he told his disciples what was coming. But in this moment now, Peter is failing his master. And again, he denied it with an oath. In other words, this is very important in the Jewish faith, is you would make oaths to prove something. He is now going so far in his fear, so far in it, that he's now swearing by God or swearing by his mother or swearing by someone, essentially. I do not know the man. Verse 73, after a little while, those standing there approached and said to Peter, you really are one of them since your accent gives you away because he was up in a region north of Jerusalem where he was from, and they, they, were, they lived different lives. They're more of a rural area. Think of like a southern sort of twang on your voice. That was sort of the idea, the difference in accents, okay? And listen to this. Then he started to curse and swear an oath. I mean, he was so gripped by his failure and fear in this moment. I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, Peter, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Another passage in the book of Mark, just before that moment, says when the rooster crowed, he looked and saw Peter. Like Peter, Jesus turned his head and saw Peter. Can you imagine what that moment must be like for Peter? You remember what it's like when you have failed, when you knew that there was something you should have done, you could have done better? And then the moment hits and you knew it right in that space. The feeling of guilt and the feeling of shame. This is the moment for Peter. The one that he said, I will go to the ends of the earth for you, Jesus. I love you. You're my best friend. I will never deny you. And in this moment, right when Jesus needed him the most, he fails. What is that feeling like? That kind of moment, that image of my Savior looking me in the face knowing right then that I had denied him. That image is probably the one that sticks with you right? That's the kind of thing that could destroy a person, that kind of failure, that kind of betrayal. It's actually the thing that drove Judas, another disciple who did betray Jesus, to go to his own death. He was so overwhelmed with guilt that he killed himself for it. Failure has the ability to debilitate us just like it does with Luke Skywalker. And then Peter had to watch his master be tortured and be executed, all while he's watching and the whole time knowing I wasn't there for him. 
Now, when I think about my life and I think about the choices that I've made, mistakes that I've made, some good things, but a lot of mistakes in my life, if I'm honest with you, if I could be a little transparent with you today, there are probably areas in my life that I have not fully dealt with. Spaces in my heart, moments that I have chosen to kind of, just kind of, it's too much for me to bear. Or at that time, it was too much, and I've just kind of put it under the rug, right? There are moments of my life where I'm reminded of things that take me back. You watch a movie or see something on Facebook, and it reminds you of a moment of failure or a moment of struggle or brokenness in your life, and you forget how raw it still is. You know, if you don't treat a wound, it kind of maybe scars over, but you'll always see it there. I think you know what I'm talking about. Can we all just be honest with ourselves this morning that there's probably failure in our life that we have never fully dealt with? that we've never moved enough beyond to where it doesn't affect us any longer. Mistakes, embarrassing moments, failures, they have shaped me. They've, and they result in things like insecurities. They result in things like fears and doubts and even codependency where you try to avoid those circumstances. You've built other patterns in your life to avoid the thing that causes you the pain. These are things that have happened in my life, and I would invite you to think, does this happen in your own? Can you be honest with yourself today? I want to tell you that I am more like Luke Skywalker than I thought I was. And not because of the amazing abilities, but because of the fear of failure. So we'll ask the question then, well, what do we do with our failure? What is, what can we do about it? Because we're going to fail. That's the big question. We're going to mess up. If we we see institutional failure, we see things around us, how can we Fix that. Organizations that have forgotten the point or have become complacent. If we're living in the shadow of our own failures and find ourselves affected negatively by them, what do we do? And this is why I love God in the movies. Because we watch these movies that maybe we haven't even thought about, these existential moments. But God uses them. And I believe, as I said earlier, that God is the source of all truth and wants to speak to people, people who don't know him, people who are so far from him, that he'll even use a movie. He'll use music. He'll use the mouths of godless people to speak truth, to draw attention to him. And then in his word, God's word mirrors the same truths that we see and it proves that he is who he says he is. I love this series because we get to take an unlikely space and show how God is powerful and command even over them. And so what we're going to do now is see how Star Wars and even how God what he wants us to know about failure. And if you're writing notes, taking notes, write this down. This is the big message, moment of this message, is that he wants us to learn from our failures so that we can grow beyond them. I don't see anybody writing. Write it down. Learn from our failures so we can grow beyond them. There's this really cool moment in the movie where Yoda shows up, and he gives this greater perspective to Luke and his thoughts about fear and failure. And in case you don't know who Yoda is, Yoda is probably the, if not the greatest, one of the greatest Jedi masters of all time. He is insanely old, and at this point he has already passed away, but he's such a powerful Jedi that he can actually project himself as like a hologram, sort of a spirit ghost thing. And he is, was Luke's teacher. But Yoda has failed himself. He has failed as well but has learned from it. And he has this moment with Luke where Luke is at the bottom where he tried to help. He's trying to do something right and feels like, you know what? We need to burn it all to the ground. And look what Yoda says to Luke about failure. Let's look. I was weak, unwise. Lost Ben Solo, you did. Lose Ray, we must not. I can't be what she needs me to be. 
heeded my words not, did you? Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, hmm. but weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. <laughs> We are what we grow beyond. Failure is the greatest teacher, Yoda says. Learn from our failures so that we can grow beyond them. That's the point of all of it is that we're going to fail. We're going to mess up. It is painful. But everywhere we see in Scripture, it's not just about us. It's also about other people. I love that our God is, is a loving and caring God who cares about those who are the farthest away from him, the ones who never consider him, the ones who are angry at him. And he says to each of us today, I know that you're hurting. I know that you're struggling. I know that you have failed. I know that you hold it against yourself. But I want to teach you. I want you to learn from your mistakes, not just so that you can feel better, so that you can get up and you can pass along what you have learned to help other people see that this is not the end for them. For some of us in the room, we need to hear that it's not the end for us now. But for some of us in the room, we have to look back and say, wow, God has, has helped me. There were times where I thought I was done, where I was over, where it was the end for me. And now God is saying to you, now I want you to turn it around and help them understand that's not the end for them as well. What can failure teach us? What can we do differently next time? What can our failures show us to prepare us? Let's go back to Peter, who has been living with guilt over his failure. And imagine for a moment, Jesus has now been crucified. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, which is a great thing, which is a wonderful thing. But now imagine you're Peter, and you get to see your master again. What are you thinking? The last moment you had with him was a failure. You ever had that? Maybe with your mom or your dad when you were a kid, or maybe like at work when you screwed up and you did something, you almost lost your job, whatever it might be, you know? And the next time you see that person who has authority over your life, you know, you know that it's all, it's okay, but now you've got that awkward space because you're like, what are they thinking about me? What do I, what is my, what do I, how do I act now, right? Now in Peter's shoes, the last time that he saw his master, his beloved, the one that he loved, the one that he said he would give everything for, he was denying him and Jesus saw it and he knew it and Jesus had been through the worst thing that any human being could ever go through. Imagine what it must be like to be Peter in that moment. Well, Jesus and his crew are now eating breakfast on the side of a, on a beach. It's a wonderful little moment. They're having breakfast. And Peter, sitting there, I can't imagine the feeling. And Jesus knows what Peter needs to hear. He has a conversation with him on the side. And I think we're given insight. Like, this is just this one random little conversation, but I believe that we are given insight into this moment because each of us need to hear this today. Listen to what Jesus says to Peter about his desire to set the example for each one of us. We need to learn from our failures so we can grow beyond them. John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. 
you know that I love you. You feel like the guilt, kind of that shame on him already, just like, yeah, you know it. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. Verse 17, he asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This interesting little note here, Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Now, why was Peter grieved? Maybe it's because in that moment, he realized that this was a repeat of the moment in the courtyard where he failed last. Can you imagine that? It'd be hard to be lost on Peter, right? That the last time I saw you, we had this awful moment, and now you're mirroring that, and it must be difficult to relive it, just like it's difficult to work through the problems and our failures and to relive them, to grow beyond them. But it takes this moment. You see, in this moment, Jesus was helping Peter see that he was a friend, not a failure. He was also revealing the example for us, Jesus' role, his desire for us in failure to learn and to grow beyond it. But more than that, continue reading. Check this out. He says, feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would wear your belt and you'd walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. And he said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And after saying this, he told him, follow me. Now this is so interesting because you're like, Jesus is just restoring Peter. And then he tells him how he's going to die. And here's why. Because Jesus said to him, feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep. He says, I love you. I forgive you. You are not your failure. That's not who you are. But I want something from you. To be my child means more than just receiving. It means giving of other people. It means following me. He said, come to me, Jesus, Peter. He said, do you love me? Yes, then feed my sheep. Do something. Don't just wallow. Don't just sit there. Know that who I am has caused you for greater things. I have more for you. And some of what I have for you is going to be hard and it will be painful, but I will be with you. Jesus was set in the expectation. Not only we receive forgiveness and restoration and healing, which is all available for us, but that we should learn from our mistakes and grow from them. Feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep, follow after me. Grow beyond our problems and our failures to help others experience the same. This restoration from Jesus and Peter's learning from his failure fueled him, ultimately, his strength and confidence that he could face the trials ahead of him. You see, Jesus is not just a loving, forgiving person. He's a father who wants to help his children know you can't just be healed. You also have to learn and become stronger so that you don't repeat the same things. I'd like to finish our time today by watching a final clip from the movie that I think should stand as an encouragement for each one of us if we're struggling with our past or our decisions and the effects of them in our present, Ray is having this interesting moment with Kylo Ren, who's actually the villain of the story. And he ironically offers some words of advice to Ray about growing beyond her past. Let's take a look and we'll close in just a moment. I'd rather not do this now. Why did you hate your father? Do you have something, a cowl or something you could put on? Please put on a shirt. Why did you hate your father? Give me an honest answer. You had a father who loved you. He gave a damn about you. I didn't hate him. Then why? Why what? 
same. Why did you... Why did you kill him? I don't understand. No. Your parents threw you away like garbage. They didn't. They did. But you can't stop needing them. It's your greatest weakness. Looking for them everywhere. In Han Solo. Now in Skywalker. Did he tell you what happened that night? Yes. No. He had sensed my power. As he senses yours. And he feared it. Stand with me as we close today. Let the past die. It's the only way to become what you were meant to be. Interesting words from the villain of the story, but listen. We are held back so often by the things that we have either done or have been done to us. And that is not who we're called to be. If you're struggling today with the leftover consequences or effects of failure in your own life, of your past mistakes and failures. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray with you, along with you, because I need it as well. I believe that God wants us to be released from our past. It's not that we should forget or completely ignore what's happened to us, but we should learn from our failures so that we can grow beyond them. And some of us in the room today are held in a place where we can't get past, we can't move forward because we're stuck because we're held down by maybe guilt or shame or doubt or fear or inadequacy or whatever it might be in our own lives. But I believe that God does not want us to be held down by our failures, but that he has sent Jesus to set us free so that we can live a new life. You know, the Bible teaches us to learn from our failures and to grow beyond them. But it also teaches us that the only way to truly become free and to be healed and restored is by Jesus. Would you close your eyes with me? What I want to do this morning is I want to just take a moment to give you a chance, each one of us in the room today, to connect with God in a, in a real way, a space where you can say, be honest with him. Maybe call out that space, that time in your life, or that time, that moment that is causing you pain. Maybe it's a long time ago. Maybe it was just this morning. And be honest with him. Just take a moment right now and just tell him, say, I don't like this. I hate this about myself. I don't know what to do with it. I'm afraid. I'm angry. I've been held back. Whatever you want to say, whatever it is, just have a moment with him right now. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to help us to see that we can learn from our mistakes, that we don't have to be held down from them. I thank you for the wisdom of Jesus talking to the Pharisees. We look around our world 
And we see broken government systems, corrupt politicians, even churches that have missed the point at times. And it's disheartening. God, would you help us to see the mistakes that maybe we have made ourselves to contribute to that? God, I pray that you would show us complacency in our own hearts, in our own faith, in our own lives, in our marriages, in our relationships with our kids. The spaces that are broken because of legalism in our hearts or complacency or our part, even decisions and choices we've made in organizations we're a part of that have helped create problems rather than solutions. God, I repent of those things in my life. And I ask for you in my heart, God, to restore me to help me rise up and to see, even if I've made mistakes institutionally, organizationally, that you are the God who can take us beyond those and we can restore things. And for those people in the room, myself included, who are still struggling with the pain of mistakes and failure, guilt and shame, we recognize now that that is not who you called us to be. You said we are children of God. That if we have said yes to Jesus, if we believe that he is the son of God, we say yes to him, we are made right We are called righteous. And so every one of us in the room today who have said yes to Jesus right now, declare in Jesus' name that you are not held down any longer by guilt or by shame, that your mistakes do not define you, that you are a friend and not a failure. I love that moment where Jesus was talking to Peter and he was telling him, I love you. You are not a failure. You are not defined for the rest of your life by the thing you did before. But instead, I look at you as I love you. You're my kid. You're my child. The end is not here. The end is not not come for you. There is more for you now. And I believe God is saying that to you today. And all you have to do is just say, I want that. I want that. If there's anyone in the room today who wants to be prayed for specifically to get past their past and their failures, just lift your hand up right now. No one's looking around. Yes, other people, anyone else in the room, I want to pray for you today. Thank you. And if it's you in this morning and you haven't raised your hand, and that's fine. Listen, I'm going to pray over you as well. Pray over the whole room today that we would be released from it. Father, I pray that right now your spirit would release us from our fears, from our guilt, from our shame, from the decisions that we have made. We are made new in Jesus Christ. We say yes to you. If that's you this morning, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, to believe in him, to receive him, to receive the hope of salvation in your life, to begin a relationship with your creator again. All you have to do is just say, yes, Jesus, I want to know you. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you can change me. And in that moment, right now, every one of us, in the name of Jesus Christ, open your hearts. Holy Spirit, now we give you permission to release us from fear and from guilt. The things that were in our lives, the mistakes that we have made, we say they no longer control us, not because of anything that we've done, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that has overcome. And even in that moment, even the moment that just sitting on the beach, sitting there with your disciples after the resurrection is proof that no matter what happened beforehand, was not the end. And so we just say to you, God, we're going to follow you. Help us to take a hard look this week at our mistakes, the things that are holding us back. Let us move on from them. Show us how we can grow from them and how we can grow beyond our mistakes to become stronger people and become who you've called us to be. We pray that you'll help us to do that in relationships with each other through life groups. God, I pray that you would help us now to also see how we can help other people walk alongside of them, lift them up, carry their burdens, and show them how to move past their mistakes in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.